welcome back to Epiphanies with Jeanette podcast. And today's podcast is me talking with you and chatting PTSD. And the reason why I thought I'd venture on this really tricky subject for some is that I know a lot of people have often asked me, am I really for real? I mean, after all, I lost my daughter, Jenny, to suicide when she was 16 after she and I had an argument. And I seem in a lot of people's eyes to be living a normal life again as though nothing really happened. And some people and some of you may have heard me talk about actually that loss is a lifetime process. It's a process that I'm I'm very aware of and it comes up in, in waves of where I I have to deal with things. And initially it was a lot of waves. It was like stormy seas for me. And sometimes I really, really did believe I would drown and that I wouldn't be able to master those waves. But fortunately with the epiphany process, I've been able to learn how to deal and handle and embrace those stormy times at the beginning and live a life that is filled with purpose because of my greatest life test. But I always say it's a lifetime process and I uh, and I will be processing this loss and my fa- the loss to my family for the rest of my life. And sometimes it goes along smoothly and other times it's really quite a challenge. So uh, generally I find things like anniversaries or going to somewhere where the last time I'd been, we'd been with her or been I'd been with her and now I was returning. Uh, things like that need some processing and, and, and the sense of loss and a bewilderment comes up and overwhelm comes up. And fortunately, I have the skills and the techniques to deal with it. And I'm just so fortunate that I have this process. But what I knew would start happening was that when the unexpected curveballs surfaced in the cycles of whatever it is I, I'm was and am dealing with through this great loss. When those came up, I wasn't, I still didn't know what to expect. And um, I had no idea when or what might happen. And in fact, I didn't anticipate anything big would happen. I always anticipated that I'd be able to handle whatever came up from time to time. And then something happened. And it was the COVID and lockdown. And um, as much as I was very fortunate in being locked down, because we we in UK were locked down almost like being under house arrest. And I was very fortunate that I wasn't A on my own. And I was locked down under this house arrest with somebody who I really related to and was good company. But during that time, a very, very special friend of mine who'd seen me through my cancer and had seen me through the loss of Jen and whose son had been in Jenny's class in Kenya. Uh, They'd been classmates. He unexpectedly died one day in UK during lockdown with his parents in lockdown in Nairobi. 
and there was no way they could get over and deal with the whole thing. It all had to be dealt with remotely. And it affected me. It 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 was like having a, a like a portion of the loss that I felt. I was feeling for her and I was feeling for me because of the connection to Jenny. And uh, I was processing it using the epiphany process and thinking, you know, this this is this is in a place of manageability and I'm allowing the sore and I'm allowing the overwhelm, I'm allowing the moments when it, it's very, very difficult. But it's all okay, it's doable. Until one night, I switched off my light, put my head on the pillow, and then I had a PTSD moment, which I've never experienced before. The moment it happened, I knew, ah, this is it. This is what people talk about with PTSD. I understood it in theory, and I helped before then a lot of people to get through their PTSD by using the sets of questions that the epiphany process provides. And uh, what happened was something that happened in the split moment that I found Jenny dead in her shower. That split moment was the shock and horror of seeing your child lifeless and, um, and broken, basically. And in that split second, I buried it. And I didn't even know or remember that I had experienced that horror. Instead, I went into overdrive. How do I, how do I revive her? Let's get help. Is she dead? Isn't she dead? Then, then being in an absolute haze and then being uh, medicated and all that. And that split moment was buried. I had no idea it had happened. I had no idea it was still existing inside me until this moment when I went to sleep and I sat up. I, I could hardly breathe. It felt like I was back in the room finding her or the room had come to me. It felt like I was really back there in that moment. And fortunately for me, I did have my partner to help me through it. And I was able to be held and allow all the emotion out. And I sobbed my eyes out um, and, and just was held. That's all I needed was to be held in that moment. And then as the days went on, I was able to start processing that. Thank goodness. And uh, that's where it's been in terms of the PTSD until the last few weeks. And the next wave of PTSD surfaced that I had no idea was PTSD. And that was in the months and even years, I'd say the first two or three years after Jenny died, there were many, many nights, night after night, where I'd go to bed on my own in an empty house, uh, with nobody around to hold me like I had uh, ex uh, how I was explaining to you just now. And uh, the evenings would come in and because in a loss like that, you feel as though you're trapped in a lifetime emotional prison sentence in this big, black, dark, deep hole. I could manage it s sort of well during the day and process it because I was processing all this time 
I was able to manage it. I was able to manage it because I was processing and I was able to manage it because I had a lot distracting me in the light of day. But the moment the darkness came in and I was on my own and I had nobody to talk it through with or to just hold me or just that sense of presence of somebody around me, then that feeling of isolation and aloneness and like this was the rest of my life would become very real until the next morning. And it went on for night after night and week after week and month after month until, interestingly enough, my eldest son, Stuart, phoned me one day and said, Mom, are you okay? And, and suddenly, it, no, actually, I'm not. I'm not okay. And I was able to talk it through and process it some more. And then I felt that I had moved on sufficiently until the beginning of last month when uh, we've moved to a place out in the country, beautiful, beautiful place, it's a time of year where most people go away for the summer holidays. So there weren't very many people around. And the people who were around were working nine to five in jobs. So there was nobody to go and visit or for them to come and visit me. And I was waiting for my fiance, Andy, to join me. He was in another country. And there it was again. I got to bed in this silence because it's a very silent place in the country. In the silence, darkness, and it wasn't me mourning the loss of Jenny that was putting me into isolation and loneliness. It was the memory of the isolation and loneliness for day after day and week after week and month after month. And suddenly it was like I was back there or back there was with me and I was living that terror and that overwhelm and that hopelessness at nighttime and uh, an understanding, oh my word, this is another part of the process of dealing with loss. And I wanted to share this with you because if anybody out there is feeling those waves of PTSD and they think, oh, can't bear this, it's unmanageable, I don't know what to do about it, I want to say you're being human. It's very normal and natural after a, a huge loss and a huge scare and a huge amount of deep grief and you're not being out of turn. And that's what got me through in those few weeks before my fiancé arrived. I was able to work it through and go, one of the things that's really helpful outside of the epiphany process was to keep on saying this too shall pass this too shall pass the other thing that is very helpful is to do what we call box breathing that helps me tremendously so you breathe in gently for the count of four and you hold for the count of four you breathe out through your mouth for the count of four and you hold for the count of four and you do that three times and then just breathe normally again, and then do it again and again. And often I found myself waking up in the morning. There were some nights where I just didn't go to sleep at all. And, and again, I processed it and went, what's the value of me not sleeping tonight? And uh, one of the things I could 
remind myself was if I, I was so tired after not sleeping that night, I would hit the pillow the next night. So I'll always catch up with the sleep because many of us go, oh, can't do without sleep. It's so bad for us and un unhealthy. And the other thing it allowed me to do was think through some new ways of um, approaching artistically my work. And so that gave me that time. It gave me a time to reflect on what, what in the past was still working in me and, and observe that. It gave me time for reflection and observation. And then some nights I couldn't do that at all. So I just allowed whatever happened to happen and reached out this time because last time, you know, all those years ago, I didn't reach out. It felt too helpless to try and tell anybody because who would understand was the story I, I, I ran a lot of the time back then. And now I do understand that people do understand. They may not understand exactly, but they understand my terror. And what's that done? It's helped me draw closer to friends better than ever before. I mean, they weren't around, but I was able to call them. I was able to have conversations. They felt valued that I had approached them and said, oh, this is what I'm feeling, because they they have this perception that Jeanette has got it all together. But when Jeanette hasn't got it all together, they feel valuable that they've been able to be helpful and a really meaningful friend. So it's it's sharpened and and softened at the same time my relationships in new empowering ways. Definitely brought new conversations out between my fiance Andy and me, and deeper levels of understanding from him, and even more support and nurturing as he 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 talked me through it. So it gave me new conversation skills. It gave me new levels of friendship, and it gave me new insight on new methods of how to work through with this with this process. So if it hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have the depth of understanding and the ability to help others the way that I've been able to. I'd be more surface helping and more theory and theoretical. This way, I'm more authentic. And when you can remember that nothing is forever, the thing that's most guaranteed to change is, is change. Change is a guaranteed thing. Nothing ever stays the same. And here I am on the other side of having PTSD from that time going, wow. And my levels of appreciation and understanding and really gratitude for where I am now is even deeper than before. So if you're feeling a little bit stuck in being able to work through any PTSD or all those feelings of isolation and aloneness, do reach out to me and I, it would be an honor and a pleasure to work with you. And of course, if you have any questions to this podcast, also just, just reach out. And uh, I look forward to having you this time next week for our next podcast. In the meantime, lots of love. Bye. Bye.